Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. Today, we have Dr. Darren Flesher, owner and dentist of Royal Oak Family Dental based in Oklahoma City. But what's interesting about Darren is he's not just a dentist. He's a serial entrepreneur with his hands in multiple other things. This should be a fascinating discussion to help expand your mind beyond dentistry. Darren, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Ross. So tell us a little bit about yourself for the people who don't know you. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, obviously, most people kind of first start by identifying their, uh, you know, education and main gig. So I'm a, obviously a dentist first, practice owner. But as you kind of said in the intro, I do lots of things, uh, even beyond dentistry. Um, so, you know, I've built softwares. I've I've been a, a dental director for companies uh, in the dental space and I've owned non-dental things as well, uh, including some pizza places and cannabis stores. And uh, we can go down any of those paths you'd like to. So basically what you're saying is you get bored really easily. Is that right? I don't think so. I think I'm kind of uh, sometimes a little impatient. And so rather than sit and stare at that thing until it progresses, I, I get to refocus and then come back to it in the appropriate amount of time is kind of how I think about it. So uh, it just allows me to to actually give things the time they need to uh, progress without, uh, like that, like I said, having that impatience about it. Well, one of the things that, from my understanding of you, and you and I have known each other for a little bit now, is that that's allowed you to do that is uh, you were able to get out of the chair in your practice and manage your, manage your practice relatively early in your career, more early than most people. Talk about how long you're, you've had your practice, when you got out of the chair, and, and just that whole process. Yeah, so we'll be coming up on eight years this December of owning a practice. I've been a dentist for 10, just had my 10-year reunion a couple weeks ago, actually. And right around COVID, so end of 2019, uh, I started to entertain the idea of replacing myself uh, clinically, both from a desire standpoint, you know, it's not that I don't, if I, if somebody forced me to do dentistry forever, I wouldn't have any issue with that, but I had other things I was more interested in doing, uh, including some of those other things I teased a minute ago. Uh, uh, and so I took the opportunity at that time to explore replacing myself. And then when COVID came, uh, it really forced me to replace myself because it was emergency only, and only one person could really go into the office and I just hired my associate. And so it was like a super fast forward on that process with me really not needing to be present, but also not being allowed to be present. Uh, so I really kind of had to build processes and trust people more and really accelerate that idea of, I don't need to physically be here. And I definitely don't need to be the one in the chair all the time. So a lot of business owners struggle with that because they feel because a lot of business, a lot of business owners are control freaks. Uh, and there's something wrong with that, in my opinion, but letting go can be a challenge. Talk about that. Was it hard? I mean, you were kind of forced, obviously, with COVID, but 
Um, but you had to you had to give the the associate the hours and the patience so she could make some money. But how hard was it for you to let go? Um, it wasn't that hard from the standpoint of I felt like I'd built a quality team. Um, you know, if I didn't have the right people around me or the right systems, you know, the combo of those two things really allowed that to happen. And I still, I've got an office manager who's been with me for almost the beginning, six or seven years now. Um, she is essentially my second brain. I mean, she knows what I'm going to do before I do it from my office standpoint. So just allowing her, um, you know, first behind the scenes, but now publicly to be an extension of me, uh, really allowed me to, to not worry about the practice. And so that, I think that's important, you know, initially systems were the main focus, but eventually you do have to have people to implement them. It can't just all be, you know, system and paper driven. You got to have the right personalities and, and team members to make it happen. Now, how many associates do you have now? I have two now. Uh, and that was a real, um, as soon as I decided to go to one, I knew I needed to get to two pretty quickly. Uh, and that's where most people struggle as well. Um, because most people tend to give their associate kind of the leftovers. And then that's a dynamic that doesn't typically sit well. Um, I kind of did it reverse. I gave them first crack at things and I took the leftovers, but obviously from a financial perspective, that really changed things from my practice cash flow. But because I had these other things going, whether it was, uh, businesses, you know, operating businesses or other jobs within dentistry, I was able to not really rely heavily on my practice revenue, uh, which allowed me to, to let that happen. And then to get to the point where my practice revenue was the same or better as it was when I was in the chair, I had to get to two. Uh, so that was a, that was a, a huge motivation to get to two was I wanted to get my practice revenue where I expected it to be. And when a lot of people don't like the idea of getting out of the chair because they feel they're going to take a pay cut, you obviously had some uh, outside income that helped you manage that. But now that you've got two people in the chair, two people in the chair, you're out of the chair. Uh, is your income where you want it to be? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's at least as high, if not higher than when I was doing all the dentistry. So um, yeah, I mean, it, we've kind of hit a, a plateau in the practice where I'd have to make some bigger decisions logistically with hours and days of the week and all that. If we wanted to grow beyond where we are, we've kind of reached our, physical capacity on the days we're in the office, but you know, it's not a bad place to be. Honestly, it's a comfortable situation. Um, it's just a matter of, do I want to get uncomfortable again to, to make that go somewhere? So let's talk a little about some of your, some of your side projects. You have a couple software companies, one you sold, one you're currently developing. Tell us about the one that you sold and what that process was. What was the need you saw and all that? Yeah. So that company was Modento. Uh, it came out of a need. There were several, uh, not several, a couple other players in the space at the time, but I felt like none of them fully did what I wanted them to do. So it's a layer on top of your practice management. So it's a communication software to and from patients. Uh, it would text, it would remind, it would get consent forms, uh, ask for reviews, had internal communication in the office. So it did a lot of things that layered on top of the patient health information and really allowed you to kind of keep track and keep up with and communicate with your patients. And it reads and writes to your software. So it pull relevant patient data and push things back that they gave you back into the software without ever having to print and scan and manually input and all the things where 
you're either wasting time, wasting paper or potentially having errors. So, um, you know, on top of those kind of main baseline features, we added some cool, unique features that really differentiated us. Um, we allowed people to, to send voicemails uh, without, you know, kind of a ringless voicemail to check on patients postoperatively or to remind them they have treatment, whatever your use case was, you could do that. Uh, we developed that. That was kind of my brain brainchild, my baby, as far as the software went. Uh, and then we went from literally nothing to 1300 offices in just two and a half years and uh, had a great opportunity to exit in 2021 and sold that to Dental Intelligence, which is a massive company. Um, they, they're analytics and uh, dashboards and all that stuff that was just a natural fit. It was a piece that they could add to what they're doing that they were not doing. And it just kind of built both brands even more. Wow, that's, that's fascinating. So not to be outdone by only doing one software company, you're like, hey, well, couple years later, you decide to start another one. Talk about your current software project. Yeah. So, you know, obviously kind of based on the fact that I've been there and done that, uh, a buddy in the dental space, uh, Eric Appleseas, uh, came up with an idea to have kind of an inventory management system. So, uh, again, there were a couple other players, but they're kind of... Um, a little bit stale in what they offered and maybe uh, not as automated as they could be. And obviously people don't want to have to babysit their software that's supposed to do things for them. So we created what we think is best in class version of that, um, where we essentially layer on top of all your logins to all your vendors. So if you've got preferred pricing with Henry Shine or Darby or whoever, we still see that you don't lose any of that. We, we cross compare all your pricing between products. We show you the best shipping uh, with all that considered. Uh, and then we can also, um, again, tie into your practice management, which is something that none of the others do. Uh, we can automatically set your budget based on your practice collections because of that tie in. Uh, and we can also read your upcoming schedule to let you know, you know, not only do you need to reorder from what you already did, but you need to maybe pre-order because you're doing more of that thing in the future than you historically have done. So like, you know, if you got more extractions and graphs next week than you've ever done before, you don't want to get into that situation where you can't do that procedure. Uh, so for the, you know, hundred bucks a month that we're charging, it's going to pay for itself with one not missed procedure because you had the right product on hand at the, at the right time. I mean, how, obviously I'm not a dentist, but uh, how often has that happened before this software was out where you've missed this procedure because you didn't have the uh, proper inventory? It happens all the time. I would say at least once a month, if not more often, where you're, you know, you're having to maybe alter what you do or do less or, like I said, forego the the upsell, if you will. Like it's still something they need. Like a bone graft is, you know, going to preserve that area for a future implant, but we didn't do bone grafts for a long time. And sometimes the implant was still an option and sometimes it wasn't the, the bone graft just gets you more of a guarantee that it's going to be a possibility. So, um, you know, we'd have to forego that you could still do the main procedure, which is take the tooth out, but you couldn't make that area afterwards, you know, the most ideal situation for the implant following it. And obviously that comes with a financial benefit as well to the practice. So, uh, you know, that part would be lost. And, and that, that one procedure missed is more than 
the, the subscription of what we're doing, not to mention the time savings from not having to cross compare or consult a spreadsheet or literally go into log, log into each vendor individually and make a decision. So there's multiple ways where this is worth it. Um, oh, the man hours saved sure. by the man hours saved is huge. So what was the yeah. name of the software again? It's called Ordo, O-R-D-O. And so is it live right now? It's live, yeah. So Ordo.com. It's joinordo.com. Yep. Joinordo.com. People can subscribe and do that. And so it's relatively new, but it's growing like wildfire, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been getting great feedback on, you know, just little tweaks, but yeah, it's, it's been live for a couple months now. Uh, we've got a couple dozen users. We're growing pretty quickly. Um, we're excited about it. Wow. So, you know, but you wouldn't be able to do this if you were in the chair the whole time, or if you were a solo practitioner, is that right? Correct. I mean, we have scheduled kind of team meetings that are midday and then midweek and obviously just from a brain capacity space like just having too many plates spinning you know you get decision fatigue you can there's only so many hours in the day you know if i want to be a good husband and father and baseball coach and all the things that i also want to do like having 30 to 40 hours a week doing dentistry would limit that severely so in your years of owning a practice and making this transition and starting uh, the transition of being out of the chair and starting a couple of companies on the side and exiting one of them. What are some lessons that you've learned that fresh out of dental school, Darren would never know, but would be so valuable. What, what are people missing because they've got their head down too much? Uh, I think a couple things. I think there's two things that I felt like I did well. Um, I think kind of, really honing in on the main thing uh, and really getting that thing going. You, you definitely can't have multiple little fragmented things where, um, you know, if, if uh, you, you want that kind of main thing to be able to spin off the revenue, like, like my practice did where you can really uh, allow yourself the freedom to go pursue other things. So I thought, I feel like that was uh, something. So you can't I do it too on. early, basically. You can't do it too early. And then I think, having conversations with people, exploring, um, opportunities, being willing to say yes. Uh, and then eventually, you know, you, you get to where you've got a lot of things going and you have to be willing to say no. Uh, but just being willing to check things out, um, network, get to know people. I feel like all those things have lent to opportunities I didn't expect, whether it was, um, you know, this dental director thing that we haven't even talked about. Um, some of the other business opportunities, uh, like I said, Modento started from me just asking around on Facebook groups if people knew of software developers. And so just just going and checking things out, um, being willing to spend a little time or money to see if something goes somewhere, uh, but also being willing to pull the plug on something that's not working and not getting into that kind of sunk cost fallacy where you feel like you have to finish it because it's you know you've, you put so much into it. Like you have to kind of decipher when the value is still there to keep pursuing it. So talk about the dental director thing you brought up in this, you've done this two separate times, I believe. So it's another yeah. quote, side hustle, if you will. Yeah. So the, the original uh, version of that came out of kind of necessity, kind of going back to that um, startup practice thing. So I, I started up eight years ago as a startup, as you know, you don't have any revenue, you don't have any patients. So you, you know, 
assuming you're not just killing it from day one, which we were doing pretty well, like more, better than average, but we didn't have 200 new patients a month or anything crazy. So just knowing that I needed to feed my family and pay the mortgage, uh, I picked and the way I structured my office was we're open three days a week, 12 hours a day. So I had two weekdays a week where I could do something else. Um, so I picked up uh, some some kind of day work with a mobile kind of going to nursing home dentistry company. Uh, and they were trying to get their foothold in Oklahoma and uh, kind of saw my uh, drive and my organization and my leadership. And over the course of a few months, asked me if I would be kind of in charge of Oklahoma. And so I agreed to that and set up some protocols and systems that ended up kind of being nationally applicable. They were in 18 states. And just kind of by the nature of the company, uh, I found out that they had never really grown like a C-suite dentist in their company. And so just kind of organically, I kept rising up through the company. And within a year, I was their dental director for the company instead of just Oklahoma. Uh, and then COVID came around and, uh, you know, my job there was really kind of a consultancy up to that point. It was paid per uh, just, just kind of paid salary, if you will, um, from the dental director side. I also paid my day rate for my work, but from a, having conversations with new hires or training them on our systems, which I helped develop, uh, I was just as needed kind of ad hoc and they would pay me uh, just regularly for that. But with COVID, there was all these additional restrictions, policies, you know, PPE, every state was different. Every state had different allowances on, could you go into the homes? Could you not? Did you need to be vaccinated? And so my job grew from like, you know, a couple hours a week to like almost full time, which, you know, thankfully, coincidentally, my practice became almost nothing at that point because I couldn't do anything there. So I had the availability to do it, but I knew it couldn't continue for me to be full time in two places. So coming out of COVID, they asked me if I would do that full time. And anyway, long story long, we uh, did not agree on compensation. And uh, I ended up parting ways with them, uh, which is unfortunate because I'd been doing a great job and, and they thought they wanted me to be there. But we just uh, couldn't agree on what that looked like with me still being a practice owner and all that. So uh, at the same time, this other company, Liberty Dental Plan, was coming to Oklahoma to administer Medicaid. We, we just recently changed from a state-run version to a privatized version. And because, again, because of my background, because of my willingness to say yes to things and, and explore stuff, I had this on my resume that I'd done this before. And uh, it just ended up being a natural fit for me to be their Oklahoma dental director for this company who's now bringing Medicaid to the state or, or you know, bringing their version of it uh, and taking it off the state's hands, bringing efficiencies to the market, bringing better systems, you know, better workflows and still delivering the same or better product, uh, but just creating kind of a capitalist version where they're, uh, you know, just making it better from a workflow standpoint, as far as providers getting paid and being paid timely and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of the two uh, hats I've worn in that sphere. And both of those have allowed me, as I said earlier, to kind of rely less on my practice and, and allow me the freedom to really step away from it from a clinical perspective and grow it to the point where now I, I don't, I would never need, be needed from a clinical perspective because I've got two people doing it for me. That's fantastic. So you've obviously had a lot of, well, I'm going to assume you've had a lot of coaching in your life, uh, in your, in your dental life to kind of help you get where you're at. Maybe you haven't and you've, you've just got a good knack and sense for it, but 
have you had coaching along the way or who has helped guide you uh, in in some of your, like from growing the practice to doing the things you're doing? What's been some of the, the mentors that you've had? So I've got, um, I do have some formal mentors. I listen to a ton of podcasts. Uh, I've actually listened to less and less dental as I go. Not that I don't care about dentistry, but I've, as I kind of grown into the business sphere more, I'm more interested in just kind of general business principles, uh, market stuff and just kind of, uh, trends and things that I might capitalize on just to kind of keep an open mind. But, and then I, you know, still communicate with classmates. Uh, I communicate with other startup practices who have kind of a similar origin story and timeline as far as just kind of the ways we think, but my most formal uh, mentorship is, uh, as you know, him, Dr. Mark Costas, uh, DSI. Uh, it's been huge for my practice. Just surrounding yourself with like-minded people, whether it's, you know, people who are live or, or reading books or whatever, just kind of making sure that you continue to expand the way you think, uh, listen to people who might think, uh, bigger, I think is kind of a big thing too. It's not necessarily, um, you know, FOMO or, uh, trying to be a negative thing, just letting you know what's possible and then being able to filter through and find your version of that or the nugget of that, that applies to your practice. You know, every time I go to a, CE course, I almost always know I'm never going to just go take the whole thing wholesale and go apply it. But I go in looking for the one or two things that really resonate with kind of how I think or how my practice is run uh, and bring that home and put it into place. So I've kind of kind of amalgamated or Frankenstein little pieces of things from different people, uh, different industries, uh, whether it's that kind of big DSO um, mobile dentistry Medicaid, you know, the way they think as far as business or whether it's other practice owners, uh, whether it's classmates who are local. I mean, everybody's got something that is, I, mean, I don't go and trying to, trying to find extracted value from people. That's not my goal, but it's, you kind of tend to wait, take away nuggets from conversations or, uh, practice styles or whatever. And you just got to find what, what's your style and bring it back to what you're doing. So you're in the practice of, you're in the, in the process of selling your practice right now. And as a lot of people have been in the last couple of years, it probably will be in the future years to come. Talk a little bit about selling to a DSO, what that process has been like and what you've learned and what you would caution anyone or uh, who goes down that road. Yeah. So kind of, obviously you've kind of heard the story of lots of things going on. Uh, I've grown interested more in the business of anything, but of dentistry as well. Uh, and once I felt like, as I kind of mentioned a little while ago that I kind of plateaued in what I was doing, I was either going to have to, you know, get uncomfortable again to really grow it, or I could choose to do something differently. Uh, I, I chose to do the latter where I'm going to focus on other industry things or other, other business things. Um, as far as the DSO part, um, you know, part of it is obviously their, their financials are going to look a lot different than a private sale, um, from a earnout perspective and what comes after the sale, they typically want you to continue doing what you're doing, uh, from an operation standpoint. And so for me, you know, a lot of people have, a clinical obligation and they're weighing that decision. Like, do I want to practice for two or three or five more years? Obviously I don't have that decision. So uh, it was an easier choice for me to choose a 
PE funded version, uh, you know, the DSO route, uh, just because, you know, my obligation, I've already kind of created the setup I want and I'm comfortable with uh, from a management perspective. I spend at most 10 hours a week on the practice. So, you know, if they want me to continue to do that, I'm happy to do it for a couple more years. If uh, essentially what they're going to do is everything I do. So if they say, Hey, we don't need you in months, like once you've made sure that we're connected with all your vendors and we've got control of all your accounts, uh, you know, thanks, but we don't need you. I'm also fine with that, obviously. So uh, I kind of tailored intentionally tailored my practice to something I would be comfortable handing over to somebody and, and them forcing me to continue doing that if, if needed. Uh, but also knowing that I've basically built myself as the DSO currently. Uh, but, you know, kind of on that, on that, uh, 10 hours a week thing, uh, you know, like I said, I've, I've created a situation where I don't have to be there very often, but it also does weigh on you. You know, you got HR, you've got hiring and firing, you've got little fires to put out. And so even though I've minimized what's I think pretty much minimize what's possible to practice is just, it's still not nothing. And it's still enough that I feel like I can't fully focus on Ordo and some other things that I really want to get up and going that I think are going to be kind of my next chapter as far as, you know, business and, and, uh, and, and trying to grow what I'm doing um, mentally as well. So that's, that's kind of my motivation to sell to them is uh, I'm going to capitalize more on it, but it's also going to potentially let me exit, um, sooner just because of, you know, the way I've set myself up. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's interesting. There's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying right there. Um, so obviously you've got Ordo and, and you're going to obviously put a lot of effort, time and effort towards that. But I know you have another venture, which we're only going to tease because we're going to have you on the show again with your partners uh, to talk more about that. But basically, like you said before, you're always, you always have new interests and you're always kind of learning about new things. And that's what kind of evolved to make you motivate you to sell and go down some of these other paths. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, as I've kind of grown and learned about uh, other things, other ventures, you know, I've done some private things uh, locally. Uh, that's just been more interesting to me. And even going into dental school, like it's not a surprise that I'd be selling 10 years into practice. Like I wanted to be a dentist to, build, run, and then eventually sell a business. You know, dentistry was obviously, I love the medical, I love, you know, the application of science and art and all that. But like the main reason for choosing dentistry specifically over other medical professions was that I could still own and run a business and then eventually capitalize on that. Um, and then, you know, a lot of people get to, they, they try to ride it out until they're 60, 65, 70 and sell it. And obviously at that point, you've probably started to come down as far as your profitability, your collections, and obviously your value. Um, so when I feel like I've not peaked, but kind of plateaued, uh, at least temporarily, I've definitely maximized my current value. I feel like it's a nice time to take some chips off the table um, with these other things I have going on. I've got some revenue. Uh, obviously I can turn that big nest egg into more revenue if, if invested wisely, which is kind of leading me to this next thing, which is, you know, alternative investing, tax mitigation. We really want to focus on bringing opportunities to people who are high income that don't want to, that don't necessarily don't want to get out of the chair, but they want to make that money work for them. You know, obviously we know putting your money back into your practice is typically going to be your best ROI. But if you're like me, 
and you feel like you've done what you can with your practice without significant overhauls and potential reworks of systems or schedules or whatever, and you want to put your money to work for you somewhere else without having to buy another job, uh, that's what we're trying to build here with opportunities. Uh, but also, we're mostly focused on the education aspect. We want to bring people together. We want to bring a community. Um, we want to bring best-in-class opportunities, teach you principles, and then connect you with the right people to actually make those offerings and put your money to work for you. Yeah, and we'll we'll definitely talk more about that in our upcoming podcast. But you said something that's really interesting is you went into dental school knowing you wanted to build a business. And I see this this kind of spectrum of dental practice owners who some of them just own a job. It might be a lifestyle job, but they own a job and people who own a business. And there's obviously a continuum in between, but you can make a ridiculous amount of money if you own a business and you could sell it. And so many people, in my view, miss it and don't build a business. But you went in with the plan of building the business, which I think is so wise to do that. And it's allowed you to create all this other uh, opportunity. I mean, how many of you people do you come across who are dentists who are stuck in the owning a job? So I would say most of my classmates are that mindset um, and not necessarily like they don't regret it. Like they are technicians, clinicians, like that's what they went to dental school to do. Like having ownership. Do they um, realize they're like that? Uh, yeah, some, some do, uh, and some are, and they're totally fine with it. Uh, and some, you know, look at what I'm doing and, or what, you know, other people like me are doing and wish that they could be different. And, you know, I try to encourage them to go to get coached or, or, uh, get outside their box and some do, and some don't, but I think the younger dentists are definitely getting better or not getting better. They're, they're being, um, selected for, uh, that kind of drive to be more business oriented. I'm seeing a lot more of that. Um, but traditionally that's been kind of the dentistry way is, you know, slave away in the chair for 30, 40 years, um, make a great income, make an even better income if you're taking some profit because you're the owner, but it's never more than a job. As you said, you know, if you leave, it ceases to operate. You know, if you take a vacation, it's more than just the cost of the actual trip because you're not producing revenue. It's usually double or triple the actual cost of the trip. Um, so that's, you know, those are kind of the hidden costs of, being a technician clinician version versus being a true entrepreneur business owner is, you know, if I go on a vacation, my practice is still running. Nothing changes from the operation standpoint. It's still creating revenue. So um, those are the kind of decisions that people have to make. Uh, I've kind of made mine and I think, um, you know, it suits my personality, but it's not necessarily the right thing for everybody, but that's what we want to, those are the type of people we want to talk to and help them, um, you know, create more from what they're doing with their hands and what their business is doing is we want to help them extend that to, to create, you know, wealth beyond just what they can do in the chair and, and with their own business. So if someone wants to, if someone was intrigued by anything you said today and they want to reach out to you or connect with you, how would they do that? Uh, honestly, they can email me. I can even give them my phone number. I don't, it's fine. Like I'm, I don't, I don't I mean, have everyone any concern about the text. Everyone loves the text. text. So did yeah. you the phone number twice? Yeah. It's 405-808-1638. Again, that's 405-808-1638. 
That's great. If, you, if anyone has heard anything that Darren said that sparked a thought or had a question, uh, reach out to Darren. I've known him for a couple of years now. Great guy. He'll, he'll absolutely help you out any way he can, point you in the right direction if he can't. So, Darren, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brennan. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannon, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannon, visit rossbrannon.com. Ross Brannon is a registered representative of Coastal Equities, Inc., and investment advisory representative of Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc., and securities are offered through Coastal Equities, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.